And welcome to the life. We'll let a few people get in. say good morning to everyone. We trust and believe that you have had a wonderful week. And if not, we know next week will be one that is better. Um, before we get started, want to try to get some shout outs. If you um, have a retirement, if you have a wedding anniversary, a birthday, we want to say happy birthday to you. Uh, happy anniversary, happy retirement. If you got married, um, congratulations, anything. Um, please let us know so that we can continue to uh, give you a shout out. Um, we just believe um, that it is um, our duty to make sure that we kind of uh, make sure that we make this a family uh, kind of um Activity. We don't want it to be just where uh, I'm pretty much just um, giving you this monologue and you're not able to talk back. And so if you notice, I just kind of put uh, Sister Cynthia, I put her good morning up because I can actually see their interaction. Uh, so you get to push me, amen, even uh, via Facebook Live or YouTube, uh, uh, more so Facebook Live. So. Uh, I want to thank you for tuning in because you don't have to. Oh, congratulations to the Crutchfields, 30 years of marriage. Amen. It's one of my favorite couples. So um, happy anniversary, and we pray for many, many more. Amen. Amen. 30 years is a long time. Um, and so, man, I don't want to get all the way over here, but let me just say this, and I promise y'all I'm going to get started. But... <clears throat> Back in the day, if you notice, we had families that they might have stayed married 30 years, 50 years, and they might have not had the best marriage. But guess what? They, they worked at that thing. They worked at that thing. Why? Because they kept the family unit together. And so as dysfunctional as it may have seemed, it was a blessing for those descendants behind them. And so there's a method to my madness, <clears throat> the reason why I'm saying this. And so let me just jump right into it. Come on, let's pray and let's get into this word. Father, we thank you now for another opportunity to be in your word. God, we bless you for the full manifestation on this day, God. Father, everything that we do, Lord God, is as unto you. And so, Father, we thank you that these, your sheep, have eyes to see ears to hear, heart to perceive, receive, and understand your word. And God, when it's all said and done, we won't take any credit for it, but we give you the glory, the praise, and the honor. <clears throat> In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> so, we've been teaching for the last, oh my God, uh, maybe month and a half on biblical economics. This has been a biblical economic series. And we are at our last part. I hope I can finish it today. And our foundational text has been Deuteronomy chapter 28, starting at verse number one and concluding at verse number 13. So if you will, if you will go right on over there to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 28, starting at verse number one, 
concluding at verse number 13. As I was getting prepared, I read several articles. <clears throat> and you say, well, Pastor, why do you always read articles? Why don't you just read the Bible? And that's it. Well, I do read the Word, but then I wanted to make it practical for um, for everyday living. And so I try to make sure that I'm inclusive of uh, outside reading. Amen. And so in the midst of preparing for this, in an article written by Kirsten Smith entitled Black Families in the U.S. Have 90% Less Wealth Than White Families, according to this article, white families reported having $171,000 in wealth or about 10 times the wealth of black families who earned only about 17400 according to a Federal Reserve survey of consumer finances. Black American families, in this same article, black American families have earned significantly less money than white families for decades. The medium household income for a black family was $41,500 in 2018, 40% less than $68,000 for a white family. This gap has remained relatively unchanged. Watch this, since I've been born, since 1967. So you say, well, Pastor, what does that have to do with anything that we're talking about? Well, when you have the inequity of wealth, what winds up happening is the gap becomes bigger and bigger. And as a result, there is no way that you can really leave or build true generational wealth. You have to be intentional about it. So today what I want to do is I want to talk about generational wealth in, in, in um, connection with biblical economics. And so if I got to title this message, I will simply entitle it The Estate, The Estate. And so, so the, the estate is simply all the money owned by a person, by a particular person at death. It's all the money and or property that is owned by a particular person <clears throat> at death. That's why when someone dies, it says, and their estate. So I don't care how much money you got, how much money you don't have, everyone will eventually have an estate. The, the key is, what will your estate look like? Amen? And so I want to really kind of dive into this. And what I'll do is, for the sake of time, I'm, I'm not going to read this twice. I'm going to go line upon line so I can get right to our last and final point, if that's okay. So in verse number one of Deuteronomy chapter 28, it says, and now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord, your God, to observe carefully all of his commandments, which I command you today, the Lord, your God will set high above all the nations of the earth. And so our revelation truth, number one, for those who have not been with us, but for those who have been just for the sake of review. You should handle your finances based on the word of God. You should handle your finances based on the word of God. So we have to understand and know that if we want to eventually pass along generational wealth, if we want to have a good life, we have to handle our finances based upon the word of God. And part of the challenge that we have is 
is that we want to live like the world. We want to do things like the world as opposed to living according to the word. And if we live according to the word, we would live much better than the world. I'm going to say that again. If we would live according to the word and we will handle our finances according to the word, then we would be able to live better than the world. Oh man, something just dropped in my spirit just that quick. You know, um, as I was saying that, uh, what dropped in my spirit is that sin is, is expensive. Sin is expensive. Not only does it cost you your life, but it costs you money. It costs you money. If you want to sin, you basically got to spend money. Now, there's some things now that you can do. You can sin. Now, you can lie. You can cheat. You can steal all that kind of stuff. And eventually, that still may cost you some money. But at some point, it will. So if we live according to the word um, and handle our finances according to the word, we would be that much better. I got to keep moving. And so watch this in verse number two. And shall all these blessings come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Here's Revelation truth number two. And we talked about this. There's a distinct correlation between your obedience to God and your prosperity. There is a distinct correlation between your obedience to God and your prosperity. And we notice here in verse 22 that it says that these blessings shall come up on you and overtake you. You weren't chasing it. It was chasing you. We have gotten to the point now where everybody's got to chase the bag. But I'm submitting to you that if you get in the word, the bag will chase you. I'm going to say that again. If you would get in the word instead of you chasing the bag, the bag would wind up chasing you. What's the bag? The bag of money. That's for the old folks. I understand the young folks understand it already. But 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 so we have to get to a point of understanding and knowing that there is a distinct correlation. So the more obedient I am to God, the 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 more prosperous I can become. And I say it all the time. Prosperity is not just houses and cars, rings and things. It's your life in totality. Just like salvation, it's your life in totality. Let's go a little bit deeper in verse number three. Blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the field. I don't care where you live. I do not care where you live. You can be blessed. You can be empowered to prosper. You just got to be in the place that God has ordained for you to be. I'm going to talk about that today. There are such things as... Um, just like there are generational blessings, there, there's also geographic blessings. So sometimes you got to be in the right place at the right time. Some of us are in the wrong place. We move without just consulting God. We just go somewhere because that's the hot place or that's the place. No, you've got to consult God so God can really tell you where you need to be so that you can flourish. Mind, body, and soul. Um, Blessed shall, verse four, blessed shall be the fruit of your body, your children, produce of your ground, whatever you do with your hands, and the increase of your herds, what you got, the increase of your cattle, your offspring, and your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket of your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. So here's Revelation th truth number three. 
God empowers you to prosper in every area of your life. God empowers you to prosper in every area of your life. And I just talked about that, that prosperity is more than just about possessions. It's not just about possessions. It's about um, the ability to have God in every area of your life. It's um, so uh, what I mean by every area in your life, I'm talking about in your family. I'm talking about with your career. I'm talking about with your business. Um, I'm talking about in your community. I mean, you're prospering in every area with your health, with your mental health. In every area of your life, God empowers you to do that. Watch verse number seven. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise up against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessings on you and your storehouses and in all to which you set your hand. Let me stop right there for a minute. I can't even finish the verse. Isn't it amazing? It says that the Lord will command the blessing on you and your storehouses. So you mean to tell me, Pastor, that God can command the blessing upon my house and upon everything that I touch, my savings, my investments, my business? Yes, amen. <clears throat> Some of you don't even realize, but you're the blessing to your workplace. I'm going to say that again. Some of you don't realize that you are the blessing to your workplace. The reason why your workplace is so prosperous is because you are the blessing. Mm. Let me let me let me keep going. Now. But I know I can get an amen there because some of y'all have been working in some places that as soon as the place, as soon as you left the place, it just went down. You know, have you ever gone uh, and worked somewhere? And then when you come, they say, man, this place ain't been the same since you since you left. Man, this place is a mess since you left. Or man, we, you know, they laying everybody off or they doing this or they doing that. Why? Because you and not to be arrogant, but you were the the cause of the blessing in that area. Watch this. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord gave, which your Lord God is giving you. The Lord would establish you in a holy as a holy people to himself, just as he has sworn to you. If you keep the commandments of the Lord, your God, and walk in his ways, then all peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they shall be afraid of you. Um, there's a scripture and it eludes me in terms of um, verse and in, 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 in actual scripture, but um, where it talks about some boast in horses and chariots, but we boast in the Lord. So it's not about all the stuff that you have and you talking about all the stuff that, that you have. You should be boasting about the Lord. You should be talking about God. And when we start to put God up, when we start to lift him up, then everything else seems to fall in place. And, and so we have to understand and know that it's God that, that gives us everything, but it's God that allows us to keep everything. And so here's um, Revelation truth number four, and we see this right here. God's protection is a part of your prosperity. God's protection is a part of your prosperity. 
So I don't care where you go, what you do. I don't care what people try to do to you. When God is with you, then who dare be against you? I don't care what tries to happen to you. I don't care um, uh, whether it be uh, political enemies, whether it be uh, economic enemies. Uh, and what I mean by that, folks that you're in competition with, whether it be at work for a position or whether it be a competing business, uh, whether it be a competing department, whatever the case may be, it does not matter. When God's got you, God's got you. And when you start to walk into that, I mean, walking in that, when you walk in it, then there's this, this quiet sense of of confidence, knowing that you know that you know that you know that, man, I don't care what you say, I don't care what you do, God's going to make it right. God's already got it worked out even before it happened. So all you got to do is just walk through. Why? Because God's protection is a part of your prosperity. Mm. Watch this, verse 11. And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods. Ain't that something? The Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock, and in the produce of the ground, in the land of which the Lord swear to your fathers to give you. Let me just stop there for a minute because some of y'all may not realize, I can talk about myself, I get this from my past and nobody else can get mad. But there were several things that I know that the Lord promised to my dad. But, you know, guess what? Because he didn't walk fully in what it was that he had promised him. Guess what? He didn't get it. But what, what, what will happen is, though God will pass that thing down to the generation. Well, you don't want it. I tell you what, I'll give it to your son. I'm going to say that again. You didn't want it, so I'll give it to your son. And so, so there were a lot of things that probably he should have had, but guess what? I said, Lord, I'll take that and I'll take mine too. I'll, I'll take all that you want to give me as long as it's inside the will of yours. Mm. And so it says here in verse number 11 that the Lord swear to your fathers to give you, verse 12, the Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens, to give rain, the rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hand. So it says, I'm going to give land, rain to your land in its season. In other words, I'm going to make whatever you do further. I'm going to make it. Have you ever worked a job or have you ever worked a business and it seemed like, man, it was just dry. I don't care how much work you did. I don't care how you labored or whatever the case might have been. Um, it was just such a such a tug, such a pull, and it seemed like you couldn't get anything done. But what God is saying is, I'm going to make the environment such so conducive, it's going to be conducive for productivity. God will make a situation where it will be, produce, uh, it will be conducive for productivity. So watch this. And I give you land and the rain in the season and bless all the work of your hand. Now watch this. And you shall lend to many nations. But you shall not borrow. God said, I'm going to fix it where you ain't going to have to borrow no money. You're going to be the one lending. You're going to be the one giving out. That you should lend to many nations and not borrow. Well, uh, we, we, we talked about this, I don't know, in, the, in, a, in a few weeks ago about the, the borrower being a slave to the lender. And when we understand and know that debt is bondage. The more we're in debt, the more bondage that we are. Guess what? When you're in debt, when you got a bunch of debt, you can't just up and quit your job. You can, but you're going to be bankrupt. Why? Because you got bills to pay. Why? Because you have debt. 
You have to, you have to, the reason why most people work, you know the reason why most people work? The reason why most people work, because they got bills. They have debt. And so when you reduce the debt, that doesn't necessarily mean you don't work. But what it means is now you can do what you want to do. If man, ooh, okay, I said just like that, God. If you want to do what you want to do, then make sure you live a lifestyle that accommodates what it is you want to do. I'm going to say that again. I hope I can remember that. If you want to do what you want to do, then you got to live a lifestyle that accommodates what you want to do. So if I want to be a starving artist, then guess what? I got to live a starving lifestyle. I'm going to say that again. If I want to live a, a starving art, if I want to be a starving artist, then I got to live a starving artist lifestyle. So you say, well, no, nah, Pastor, that seems like that's, that's, that teaching is kind of off. Seems like you ought to be saying that you want to, yeah, you, here's the thing. You can live any kind of way you want to according to the word and you can get favor and you can live like a millionaire off of a small amount. But God is not going to bless you if you go beyond, if you live beyond your means. He talks about it over and over again about um, the wise and the foolish uh, in terms of your finances, in terms of the way that you live your life. Man, I don't know, I don't know how y'all got me all the way over here, but I'm coming back in just a second. I'm going to get back to that. But he says that I'm, you shall lend in many nations and you shall not borrow. And the Lord, oh, let me give you this one. Here's Revelation truth number five. I had gotten into that thing right there because I'm going to come back to it. God will be the one to give you the increase. God will be the one to give you the increase. And we see that right here in verses 11 and 12, that God is the one that makes the, the area conducive for productivity. And then he also uh, fixes it in such a manner that he wants you to be the lender and not the borrower. Do you know as the church, we should be the ones giving out grants and everything else instead of us trying to get a grant. I'm going to say that again. We so busy as the faith-based community trying to get a grant or to, yeah, to get a grant when we should be the ones giving the grants. And when we understand and recognize that, that we should be the ones that's giving and not taking, then how much better we can be. So what we try to do is, as a faith-based community, we want the government to give us money and then we give it out to the community. How about we, we generate um, resources so that we can give to our own community? If the government gives us something in addition to, great. But we should be the ones leading the front lines to be able to help our community. I got to keep going. I can't stay there. In verse 13, it is where I'll be today. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not beneath. If you heed to the commandments of the Lord your God, I will command you this day and careful and, and, and are careful to observe them. I'm going to read 14 just for free. So shall so you shall not turn aside from any of the words which I command you this day to the right or to the left and go after any other gods to serve them. And here's uh, my last revelation truth for not today, but just for the series. Not only for the day, but the series. God gives us power and authority through the word. God gives us power and authority through the word. And so I, I want to 
get you to understand what we mean by power. So the Greek word for power, and you've heard me teach this before, the Greek word for power is azousia, which simply means authority. Azousia, the Greek word for, for power is azousia. And um, that means, you know, I have the authority to do something. Um, I can, um, uh, if, if I'm the CEO of a company, then I have the authority to sign the checks. If I'm the treasurer of an organization, I have the authority to do that. I have authority. So, so the first, the first word for power is Azusa is, is authority. The Hebrew word for power is dunamis. The Hebrew word for power is dunamis. And so when, when you, you, you see the word dunamis, that word means force or output, force or output. And so you, you, when you get to a point of this Hebrew meaning, um, we sometimes get them confused. We get authority confused with force and output. And, and so um, God gives us not only authority, but then he also gives us the power, that, that force or that output. And then the third, the third form, and we'll put this up, the third form uh, 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 of the Greek word, um, because they're connected, is one called energia, where we get the word energy from. Uh, and so that comes from light or heat, something to do the work, something to do the work. And so we have exousia, we have dunamis, and we have energia. And those are the three derivatives of power. Those are the three derivatives of power. And so when we, when we talk about power and authority, um, if we want to get to a point of really walking in biblical economics, we have to get to a point that we leave what I call generational wealth. We have to leave what I call generational wealth. So here's some ways to to build generational wealth. Here's some ways to build generational wealth. The first is education. Our parents have told us over and over again um, that, hey, the best way to, to, to make a living is to get an education. Remember they tell us, go to school, get a degree, um, get to a point where you can... Um, you can um, get a better job so that you can, because our parents told us, get a degree, get a job, keep your credit straight, and then save. That was it. And, and so, but if we did that, if we got a job, if we, if we got the education, if we got a job, if we lived below our means and we saved, then we could, can, we could start this generational wealth. Then that means that we could save for our children and our children's children. That means that we can invest. We could do different things that we could pass down so we could add to the wealth of the generations behind us. The second way to build generational wealth is skill training. So everyone is not going to go to college. Everyone doesn't want to go to college. And just because you don't go to college doesn't mean that you're not smart. That just means that you don't have... Uh, the propensity, or you didn't want to go to a liberal arts institution. You might have wanted to go to a technical institution, or you want, might have wanted to go to the military. So that there's a skill training, because how many of you know that 
Shoot, there's some plumbers that make more than lawyers. Uh, so, so skill training. So, so that's a way to build generational wealth because guess what? Um, you can pass that along. So not only you can pass the skill along with it, man, I can't tell you probably out of all my uncles, um, and probably cousins, I was probably the only one that probably worked the most with my grandfather. The only problem was I didn't learn from him. I just worked for him. Why? I made it transactional instead of making it transformative in my life. I'm going to say that again. I made it transactional instead of making it transformative in my life. So my father was, my grandfather was a bricklayer. And so he built houses. And so I would go and work with him as a laborer, but I never learned the trade. I never learned the skill because I was like, man, I'm not how sounds like, man, I'm not doing this. I'm going right on to school because I will not be out here in the cold. I will not be out here in the heat. And so I guess that skill training might have helped me in another manner. But 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 if I had, then I still could have made a living, and that's something that I could have passed on to my children's children or to my my nieces and nephews or whatever the case may be. But skill training is a way that you build generational wealth because you train the next the next generation. And so they can continue the business or they can do something even on their own. A third, The third way is businesses. So what do you mean by businesses? So that means that when I own my business, what I do is I just pass it along to the next person. I was reading an article um, uh, by the Cato Institute, and they were talking about some myths of uh, generational wealth. And, and a number of people think that a lot of these folks are just self, what they call self-made millionaires. Let me just say this. First of all, there is no such thing as self-made because everything that you get, it still comes from God. I'm going to say that again. Everything that you get, it still comes from God, whether you want to acknowledge it or not. But but a number of people that are that 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 start off wealthy is because businesses have already been passed down. So they just walk right into the business. So they didn't even have to build a business. They walked into a business. Now they might have started from the ground up um, working for their parents' company or, or a relative's company or whatever the case may be. But once they get in, they continue to do it. Now, let me just throw, I'm getting ahead of myself, but let me just throw this one in for free. If if I give you the business, you can't run it in the ground. I'm going to say that again. If I give you the business, you cannot run it in the ground. So when we pass along this generational wealth, we got to make sure that we teach responsibility and things of that nature so that when they receive some of these things that we have built, that they're able to keep it going for the next generation. Then the fourth way to, to build generational wealth is through investments. So if you um, you have an investment fund or funds and a portfolio, and it goes back to what I was saying about the estate that eventually you pass along, loan, um, then, then you know, those investments will be a way because then all, already your estate becomes theirs and when it's moved over and then you're able to, to get it. And then the, the fifth way uh, to build generational wealth is through money. I mean, just cold, hard cash. Whatever money I got left in the bank, boom, it goes to you. Or if I've got an insurance policy then um, or savings, then it goes to you. And, and, and um, 
And so knowing that that's, that's another way to, to build it is if I get, you know, if I continue to, to save, uh, whether it be through insurance or savings, and then I get to a point where I'm able to build it. So five ways, education, skill training, businesses, investments, and money. If you can, you can tap into those, then you're able to start to build generational wealth. Now watch this. So, so once you build it, you still got to pass it down. So how do I pass it down? Number one, through the blessing. Through blessing. You know, so you think about it. When you go through scriptures, it's always about the blessing. Like the, the father would, would pronounce a blessing upon the children. So um, blessing simply means empowered to prosper. So uh, I'm going to empower you to prosper. The second way to pass down a generation, generational wealth is to write a will. Is to write a will. You know, some of us do not have um, a, a will. And uh, Sister Alexis, uh, one of my wife's friends, she just gave us a wonderful book uh, about preparing for, for death and having everything um, in line. And so some of us as a community, we're not prepared to die. Not only are we not prepared to die in terms of our salvation, but some of us are not prepared to die physically. I mean, in a natural sense, people got to scramble. You got to look around to find um, the insurance policies and and uh, how many bank accounts they got, what the bills are. The, you know, your loved ones should not have to do that. You ought to have all that stuff laid out so that and you know what we may do is we may do some estate planning. That that's that, thank you, Holy Ghost. Maybe one Wednesday night we'll do uh, some estate planning to kind of walk through that to make sure that we we uh, when we leave here we leave everything in order. The third way is beneficiaries to for your account, and so you know in your insurance policies or your uh, at work or whatever the case may be your investment funds there's always beneficiaries, so that's one way to to pass it, you know, pass it down. Uh, as a matter of fact, I was thinking about this this morning. Uh, a, a lot of people, what they do uh, for endowments, what they do is they simply take out an insurance policy and then they make the institution, they make their church or they make their school, whatever the case may be, or their organization, the beneficiary. And um, so as they go along, what winds up happening is when they leave there, then they can create this endowment. And, and you think about it, if you just did a, if I, I thought about this, uh, and, and I'm, I'm thinking about my institution in, in general that, I, um, that I'm matriculated through, um, there are probably tens of thousands of people that have, have graduated from Alabama A&M. If, if each one of those graduates took out an insurance policy and they paid it, and when they left here, that money went into an endowment fund. Do you know that that would literally be millions and millions of dollars that would eventually be in an endowment and that, that institution would never have issues at all? If we did that for the churches, for local churches. Now, people do this now. There are folks that are already doing this. I'm just kind of, I'm letting, I'm letting those who may not know. There are a lot of people even for their church, what they will do is they will take out an insurance policy and make the church the beneficiary so that when it's all said and done, when they leave there, 
they leave a sizable donation to the church. So, so beneficiaries um, um, is another way to pass down generational wealth. And then the last thing is to set up a custodial account. When you set up this, uh, um, um, this account for um, you know, young children or grandchildren, and you say, okay, like trust, like a trust account, so that you know when they get to a certain age, then they can get that. So those are four ways to pass down generational wealth. And so you said, well, Pastor, why did you go through all of that? And how does that have to do with um, power and authority through the word of God? Glad you asked. And here's how I end today. Go to Genesis chapter 12, starting at verse. Now, let's do this. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 13 first. Proverbs chapter 13. At verse number 22. You got it? Proverbs 13 and 22. Watch this. A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Yours may say a wise man. Your, your version or your uh, translation. But the wealth of the sinner, yours may say the wealth of the wicked, is stored up for the righteous. Yours may laid up for the, for the righteous or for the just. And so... A good man lays up an inheritance for his children's children. A lot of times we talk about the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just or the wealth of the righteous, um, the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. We always quote the B portion of the scripture, but we don't quote the A portion sometimes. And that is just as important as the B portion. But a good man lays, leaves an inheritance for his children's children. So it is proper for us to leave generational wealth. It is proper. I'm going to say that again. It's proper for us to leave generational wealth. Let's go over to um, Genesis chapter 12. And this is where I land this plane to tell all of this in together. Because you may say, man, I, I'm trying to see how he's going to weave this tapestry together. Don't worry, we got it. Genesis chapter 12, starting at verse number one. Y'all got it? And see, I'm going to kill two birds with one stone because I'm going to give you my points of connection today too uh, as we, we land this plane. So in verse number 12, we see where Abraham has this conversation with the Lord. Watch this, verse number one. Now the Lord said has said to Abram, get out of your country. Remember, I talked about geographical blessings from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Remember, I talked about um, hearing from God and, and letting God direct you and guide you to where you're supposed to be. But now remember this truth that we're talking about today. Our last truth is God gives you the power and the authority. What? Through the word. So guess what? What he does is he tells Abraham, look, he tells Abram, he says, get out of your daddy's house and go to a place that I, that I am going to send you. So here's point of connection number one. Teach your descendants how to hear from God. Teach your descendants how to hear from God. So if you're going to pass down um, anything, you got to make sure that as you passing things down, 
that guess what? That they can hear from God. Because if you because if they don't hear from God, then you can give them all the money in the world. Guess what? They'll blow it. They'll go right through it. Why? Because they can't hear from God. They don't, they're not understanding what it is that God would have them to do in their lives. And so they'll just take the money and invest in this and do this and do this. And it seems like every they just keep trying and then they just waste their money. But when you hear from God, you're able to hit right on point. Now, every now and then, you're going to miss God. You'll miss God every now and then. But if you hear from him, then you'll be able to continue to perpetuate generational wealth. Watch this. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And in all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Here's connection number two. Wealth includes security, abundance, and relationships. Security, abundance, and relationships. You see that? You see it in verse number two where he says, now, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm gonna make you a great nation. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you some abundance. I'm gonna give you some abundance. I'm gonna make your name great. I'm gonna bless those who bless you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure that I give you good relationships. I'm gonna have a good relationships. I'm gonna curse those that curse you. I'm gonna give you security. So I don't care. You put your mouth on me. You try to you try to do something to me. Guess what? God's got me. God's got me. And so, so when you get to a point when it's godly wealth, when God blesses you, then guess what? It includes the security, the abundance, and the relationships. That's why I tell people all the time, we've got this VIP thing mixed up. VIP means very important person. So it's not like I should be paying for VIP. Sorry for you promoters. But if anything, you should be wanting me there. I should be wanting to be there. God makes us all VIPs that we can walk in different places and have favor and be able to do the things that we need to do. But what wealth does is it godly wealth. Now, let me say that godly wealth. It includes security, abundance and relationship. And then watch this, this last key. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all of their possessions that they gathered and the people whom they had acquired in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Here's my last point. Acquiring possessions from family Give, distinct, give descendants a distinct advantage. Acquiring possessions from family give descendants a distinct advantage. God tells Abraham he's going to make him a great nation. He's going to make him a great nation. But guess what? They already, they had a jump start. Why? Because you see, and I don't have time to go there, but if you continue to read that, it talks about how Abraham or Abram was all, he was very rich. He already had some stuff. Why? Because his family had some things. 
So when he picked up to leave, when he picked up to leave, what wind up happening is he got to a point where he already had some things so that he could have a start. I'm going to say that again. He already had some things so that he could have a start. I submit to you that Abram already had some generational wealth. God already had something to work with. So when he was going to make him a great nation, guess what? He already had something to work with. It didn't have to be from the ground up. And so we have to understand and know that if when we get into biblical economics, if we want to really leave a, 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 a live according to the word and leave an inheritance for our children's children, then that means that we've got to do some things um, to put ourselves in a position to be able to do that. And once we recognize that, then we'll know. Once we start to handle our finances according to the word of God, once we recognize that there's a distinct correlation between our obedience and our prosperity, once we start getting to the point where we start to prosper in every area of our lives, once we start to understand and recognize that God is the one that gives us the increase and he's the one that gives us the power and the authority, when we start to do that, then we will truly be living in biblical economics. You know, man, I, I, I could go on and on and on, but that's it. I, I'm, I'm not out of word. I'm just out of time. But I, 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 I am um, encouraging you. Don't stop with just this teaching. I want you to study on your own. I want you to go into the word and I want you to start studying what God says about finances, what God says about wealth, what God says about uh, prosperity. Why? Not so that you can walk around and, and, and be what people consider this naming and claiming and everything else, but know so that you can be a blessing to your community, so you can be a blessing to your church, and so that you can be a blessing to your family right now and for generations to come. Amen. Well, come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you now for another opportunity to share in your word. God, we thank you that it is you that give us the power to get wealth. And so, God, we don't have it twisted. We understand and we know that everything we have and everything we do is because of you. And Father, we pray now that you'll continue to keep us in perfect peace. And God, we boldly declare that we won't seek the things, but we'll seek the creator of the things. We'll seek you first, your righteousness, and all these things shall be added. And so, Father, we bless you now for the miraculous happening in our communities, for the miraculous happening in our churches, for the miraculous happening in our families. And, Father, we know that because you have your hand on us, we shall and we cannot fail. And when it's all said and done, we'll give you the glory, the praise, and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. So let me just do this real quick because you may be listening to this podcast or you may be, this may fall on your timeline. Let me just say this really quickly. Um, all this stuff that I talked about, about generational wealth and, and, and passing it along and everything else and biblical economics, all that stuff is great, but it doesn't mean anything if you hadn't confessed Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. If you want to be a part of this family, if you want to if you want to be able to get the inheritance, then you need to be a part of the family. And the way that you do that is that you confess Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. I'm going to make three appeals. And here's the first one. You may never, ever have 
confess your sins or confess Christ uh, as your personal Lord and Savior. And what, do you, what do you mean by that? Over Romans chapter 10, verse 9, the Bible declares that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, then you shall be saved. I know that may sound like that's, so, that's, that's too simple, but it is just that simple. So if you know that you need to be in right standing um, with God from the beginning, I don't mean that you backslidden. I mean you know that you, you've never been in right standing with God. This first appeal is for you. Secondly, you may say, well, you know what, Pastor, I'm saved, but man, I backslidden. got good news for you. He's married to the backslider. I don't care what you did um, last year or 20 years ago. God is waiting right here to restore you. So if you know that you need to be back in right standing with God, then this second appeal is for you. It's just like Luke chapter 15, when the prodigal son went back home, when he went back home, uh, his dad didn't shun him. What he did was he killed the fattest calf, had a ring, robe, shoes. And what he did was he decided that he was going to embrace his son and not turn him away. And God's going to do the same thing for you. You didn't leave. You did not leave. Uh, uh, God didn't leave you. You left him. And so if you would come back, then he would be ready to receive you. And then third and finally, you may say, well, Pastor, I'm saved. I'm in right standing. But man, I need a church home. I'm in the Birmingham area, man. I need a place where I can get the word. I can go and grow in the things of God. I can't think of a better place than Word of Life Community Church, Greater Birmingham. A place where we're going to teach you the word line upon line, precept upon precept. It's practical application so I can live my life every day. We're going to hold you accountable to the word. We're going to give you good Christian fellowship. I can't think of a better place than the life. And so if you know that you need a church home in the Birmingham area, this third appeal is for you. You may also not be in the Birmingham area and say, well, hey, Pastor, hold on. Don't leave me out. Man, I've been watching this broadcast or I've been listening to this broadcast and I just want to be a part of this ministry. I want to be able to help take this gospel um, to the city, to the state, to the region, the nation, but ultimately the world. And I want to be a part of that. We'll treat you the same way. We're going to cover you. We're going to pray for you. We're going to teach you the word. We're going to hold you accountable to the word. We're going to give you great, great Christian fellowship. So if you want to be a part of our online campus, we have online members. You can do that as well. So first for salvation, second to be restored. Third and finally, if you want to be a church member, uh, a member of this ministry, whether it be here in Birmingham or our online campus, these three appeals for you. You can simply write me and it's right there on the ticker. Uh, at Pastor Prim at WALCC.us, Pastor Prim at WALCC.us, or you can simply put uh, in the chat box change and we'll make sure that we minister to you effectively. If you need prayer, please, please, you can email me at Pastor Prim at WALCC.us, or you can simply um, Put prayer in the chat and we'll make sure that we inbox you or contact you and we pray for you uh, or minister to you appropriately. Amen. Well, beloved, I am way out of time. Thank you for obliging me. Uh, thank all the comments that I see. I pray that this was a blessing for you because we want to make sure that you're successful in life. Amen. 
But until next week, we want you to, this same platform, whatever it is that you're watching or listening about, we want you to always finish your course, fight a good fight. But most of all, we want you to keep the faith. Until next week, everyone be blessed.